Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Sometimes it's the normal, sometimes it's the abnormal, and sometimes it's the paranormal, but it's always beyond reality. Welcome to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. And I promise tonight, well, I shouldn't say that because until we have our guest on the line, actually, I never know what's going to happen. But I am fairly confident that tonight we actually will have Douglas Serignano with us to talk about conspiracies. He's written a book called American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups, and it shows how conspiracies have been transforming U.S. politics for the last century. And we will have that conversation tonight. I'm excited about that. I was excited about it last night, and we just had some circumstances beyond our control. Thankfully, Scotty Roberts was available, jumped in, and we had a great conversation with him. Um, And we appreciate you all hanging out with us. Uh, Some great shows looking ahead as well. Of course, tomorrow night will be a best-of program. Monday night, Tuesday, which is a bit of a strange thing to say. Monday night, Tuesday, May Thomas will be here Tuesday is an author, a speaker, and a mystic teacher. And uh, Tuesday will introduce us to the grid matrix of collective consciousness. And then on Tuesday, L.A. Marzulli, who is a very, very well-known paranormal uh, investigator, researcher, author, and filmmaker, he'll be here to talk about the ancient mounds found throughout America. And he'll talk about the fact that he believes they may have been built by the Nephilim. Very interesting topic there. Uh, C.J. Zahner will be with us Wednesday night. C.J. is an author and a skeptic medium. And uh, we'll be talking about premonitions and paranormal experiences that inspired her to write her books. So a lot of great stuff coming up on the program, of course. Um, Swing by our social media site. Go to Facebook. Find Beyond Reality Radio. Give that a like. Find J.V. Johnson. Like that as well. And go to YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We stream the show live there in case you don't have a radio station in your market carrying the show yet. You can go to YouTube and you know, we do have a bit of a camera feed from the studio, but it's more important that you get to hear the show. And there's also an archive of back episodes there. Go back, um, gosh, over a year, like 300 episodes or so. It's just JV Johnson on YouTube. Very easy to find. Probably searching Beyond Reality Radio will get you there too. I think it will. But I encourage you to do that because uh, we want to get those numbers up. As well. Um, one more thing I'll mention, then we'll go to break and get ready to bring our guest in. Scaricon is coming up in Rochester, New York. Now, I know we air on uh, WBEN in Buffalo. Buffalo is a hop, skip, and a jump from Rochester, New York. It is worth the drive. It's what, an hour and 15, hour and a half maybe to get to Rochester from Buffalo? And I know a lot of people listen to WBEN probably almost right in Rochester because it's got a, such a great signal. So uh, plan on October 18th, 19th, and 20th. Plan on coming to Rochester, hanging out with all of us. Bunch of celebrities coming from uh, various films. A whole film festival where you can see dozens of never-before-screened movies. Parties, panel discussions, uh, some special treats as well. Great vendors, which is really perfect as we approach Halloween. October 18th, 19th, and 20th are the dates for Scaricon. And if you need more information, which you probably do, 
and you want to grab your admission, which you probably do while it's discounted, go to Scaricon.com. All of that stuff can be found there, including a link for discounted um, discounted uh, admission, um, which will be discounted for a little while longer, but not right up until the date of the event. So you're going to want to do that soon. All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll have our conversation. We're going to be talking about conspiracies in American politics. It's Beyond Reality Radio. Look out, Rochester. Scaricon is coming for you. The Northeast's leading fan convention for all things pop culture is celebrating its ninth year at the Rochester Riverside Hotel, October 18th through the 20th. Scaricon brings an amazing group of celebrities, panel discussions, film screenings, great vendors, and amazing parties. It's a weekend of fun from start to finish, and it's family-friendly. For more information, Visit Scaricon.com and check us out on Facebook. Use the promo code BRR at checkout to save 20% on your admission. That's Scaricon.com, October 18th through the 20th in Rochester, New York. Welcome back to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We will take your phone calls in the second hour of the show at 844-687-7669 if you want to join our discussion. Tonight we're going to be talking with Douglas Sirignano. He is the author of a book called American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups. And it shows how conspiracies have been transforming U.S. politics for the last century. Douglas, welcome to Beyond Reality Radio. I bet that's a bit of an understatement. When you say how conspiracies have been transforming U.S. politics, it's probably uh, stating it mildly, isn't it? I think so. It's probably been controlling completely politics. (laughs) Because uh, I think, um, you know, there's so much uh, shadow forces uh, influence our country. So I I think you're right. How long have you been looking at this stuff? I mean, we all, I think at some point in our lives, hear about something, whether it's the JFK assassination or Watergate or something else that makes us very, very curious. But not everybody, you know, makes it a passion. You obviously made it a passion at some point. When did that happen? You know, it happened actually a long time ago, like 1979. I started receiving uh, underground newspapers. I think a lot of people got into this with the advent of the Internet because a lot of this is on the Internet. But I've been into it for a pretty long time, and I uh, got to interview a lot of interesting guys for my book. So uh, I think it's uh, I'm published by Skyhorse Publishing, one of the biggest publishers of uh, conspiracy theory literature. And uh, so that uh, I, I interviewed Jim Mars and uh, G. Edward Griffin and Noam Chomsky. So I think that's what makes my book interesting. Yeah, it definitely is an interesting book, um, and and the whole concept of the people we put into office somehow doing something secretively that is not in our best interest or doing something to, uh, you know, hurt each other or political opposition, whatever it happens to be, that's just a fascinating uh, thing to grapple with by itself. Yeah, really, because, you know, um, you know, politics is dirty, I think. But actually, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist, you believe that a shadow influences have been controlling things for ever since, like, the late 1700s. You know, there's secretive groups that want more and more power. That's the conspiracy theory, and I think it's true, actually. I actually think, though, Donald Trump actually broke through that. So I don't know if you guys are conservatives or liberals. but <laughs> Well, we don't talk much about politics. We do, use, we do talk about the figures in politics, but we try to leave the political component out. But it's going to be hard to leave it all out of this discussion, I imagine. Um, but let's, let's talk a little bit about the climate right now, because uh, you mentioned the Internet. Obviously, uh, 30 years ago, I'm not even sure my math is right, but let's say 30 years ago, uh, when the Internet was not available to everyone, um, you know, people had to read books. And if they happened to come across this stuff, you know, it may have been of interest to them. But it was much more difficult to even be aware of some of these things, wasn't it? 
I really think so. I think the Internet, you know, is a free and open exchange of ideas, whereas the mainstream media is controlled by a small handful of corporations and probably controlled by the Council on Foreign Relations and even CIA. And so really, I think, yeah, you're right with the Internet. So much more of this information is coming out. Now, it's, it's, it's accessible. Not only can you see you know, alternative news sources, but you can also go into files, public files, whether it's federal government files or local government files, whatever it happens to be, and do a little bit of research on your own. So there's much more uh, source information available to people these days than there ever has been. Oh, yeah, really, really. I think, I think the Internet is really a, uh, a great tool, you know. I heard that the Internet was created by the New World Order forces who wanted to lump us all into Big Brother so they have their eyes on us, but maybe it backfired on them because the Internet it is becoming a tool for people to see through the corruption, you know what I'm saying? Well, I know what you're saying, but I wouldn't jump so fast to think that, only because there's so much talk now about uh, regulating parts of the Internet, and, you know, they, they use the guise of hate speech, or they use the guise of, guise of terrorism, or they use, you know, all these words to make people afraid and, and, and you know, scared to express an opinion or racism or whatever it happens to be. Um, but the bottom line is there's a lot of talk about controlling what you can and cannot say and what you can and cannot read on the Internet. That wasn't the case not yeah. long ago, but it's certainly something that's being looked at now. I know, I know. Like that's really in the news now, right? How Google and uh, YouTube and uh, Twitter is all trying to. I think they're trying to uh, censor right-wing thought and conservative thought. That's what it seems to me. And uh, and they're trying to. I don't know. They see maybe the people are becoming more aware. Uh, these guys who control the internet, the big tech chiefs, are. I don't know. They're connected to uh, corruption or fascism or something. I'm not sure what their agenda is, but it is playing right into the hands of, of people that that think or have considered the fact there is some type of new world order, one world government kind of thing um, happening behind the scenes. Now, just very, very recently, there's been a lot of talk of this social score where, where Facebook, Google, maybe Amazon will be in, involved, maybe Apple will be. I'm not sure which companies will actually be involved, but they're going to start um, rating us. Every one of us, based on our online activity. And those ratings will be used, they're saying, just for research purposes. But but we have already seen how they can be used uh, for whether or not you can own a gun or whether or not you can um, leave the country or whether or not you can leave your house, for that matter. So there's a real specter of Big Brother uh, that's coming from technology companies um, and playing right into the hands of the government. Really? And uh, uh, I don't think that... I don't. Are they allowed to do that? I mean, I mean, like Twitter does that, but it's a private company, so maybe they'll say we're private, so we're allowed to do whatever we want. I don't know, but it doesn't seem right, does it? It seems like they're uh, violating our our privacies and civil rights. Well, that's exactly what many are contending, and we're actually seeing this put in practice in China now. In China, where they have a communist government, a socialist government. These are yeah. things that we can expect. Um, in the United States, it's not something that we would expect, but it is creeping up on us. And these are the things that people need to start paying attention to. It's very, very serious because it can seem innocent today, and then tomorrow it can be used for very, very nefarious purposes. Really, really. I, I, that's really in the news now. And uh, uh, even though, like you say, the Internet is a tool for people finding out a lot, there, there's too much censorship, like you're saying there, really. Well, you know, one of the things that I find troubling— and uh, this is because it hits home. And 
folks who have followed this program for a long time, particularly those who follow us on the YouTube stream, they know that uh, very recently YouTube has changed their um, policies whereby certain topics are now not necessarily banned, but harder to find. If and, and if you do something, and I'm very, very confident this particular program, when we post the edited version of this program on YouTube tomorrow, it will um, be buried in the search options because of the word conspiracy. You know, YouTube, Facebook, they're all looking at these things saying, we don't want people talking about conspiracies. We don't want people talking about, um, you know, deep state, government control. I don't know why. I'm not sure. I think it's those debates have to happen. Those discussions have to happen. Uh, really? But yet these companies seem to want to thwart them. I really think, you know, that goes into the whole conspiracy theory that there's like a deep state or Illuminati, uh, powerful men. They, they control so many of the corporations and they got connections to the, uh, the media, the social media outlets and they're trying to exercise a, sort of a fascist control there, I think. All right, so let's, let's, um, let's get down to the nuts and bolts here. Uh, definitions are very, very important when we start talking about these things. When we say the word conspiracy, when we talk about a conspiracy, particularly as it relates to government, what are we talking about, and how does it differ, if it does at all, from a scandal? Uh, I guess this conspiracy might be something that... Um, uh, isn't I guess a scandal is something that's revealed. A conspiracy is something that's more uh, conscious. Uh, pe- people are getting together consciously and secretively trying to manipulate things, whereas a scandal might just happen, you know, uh, on the spur of the moment, I, I really think. Uh, for instance, a lot of people think uh, the Council on Foreign Relations Trilateral Commission uh, is groups that they specifically want to get together and secretively uh, manipulate and control society. And so I think there is a lot to that. And even the Bilderberg group, you know, I think conspiracy is people who are maybe consciously and deliberately, secretly trying to manipulate things, whereas a scandal is something that sort of just happens, uh, you know, um, sort of automatically or whatever. So one of the things that's necessary for something to be considered a conspiracy is uh, multiple people have to be involved in planning and plotting and executing whatever it happens to be. Is that right? Yes. I think it could happen, like, spontaneously, or it could happen, like, over a long-term, a long-term goal, you know? And when we opened up the discussion, you uh, said this type of thing has has been going on since the late 1700s, since basically the founding of the current uh, yeah. current federal government. Um, the United States was born. It had a, uh, a false start with the Articles of Confederation, and then the U.S. Constitution was put into effect, and we have the federal government that we have now. And you're suggesting that these conspiracies have been going on since then. I think so. There was a, a group called the Illuminati uh, organized in Germany in 1789. This powerful uh, professor, Adam Weishaupt, he wanted to get the most powerful writers and politicians and from behind the scenes, he wanted to control world politics and ultimately control the world government. And I believe that's been passed down uh, for uh, 250 years to people like international bankers like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and then the Trilateral Commission, the United Nations. These secret groups, they still have this philosophy that they're going to control uh, government from behind the scenes. Ultimately, their plan is to have us, I think, Get into Agenda 21, the United Nations program, if you know anything about that. Well, we'll talk about that when we have a little more time on the other side of the break. We've got about a minute here before we have to go to our first break. Um, when we look at over the past, our lifetime, our lifetimes, let's say, um, you know, there's certain, yeah. certain 
uh, things stand out that would be considered scandalous or conspiratorial. One of those things is, and I mentioned it before, the JFK assassination. And I'm assuming that a lot of people got their introduction to this whole concept by paying yeah, attention yeah. to what you know what what uh, went on with the JFK assassination. Would you say the JFK assassination is a good example of uh, what we're talking about here? Yes, I think so because, like, uh, I think maybe that was like what people got enlightened to that the government can be so dis- dishonest because basically, you know, the P- Sapruda film showed that he was shot from the front. You know, so in modern times, I think yeah, that was the start of people ex- uh, uh, believing in the government being dishonest. Start of people believing in uh, conspiracies, but I think the internet has uh, has really uh, enlightened people that, too. Well, it's given them a resource. I think there's probably two films that have also f- poured fuel on this fire, if you will. One of them is, is, of course, Oliver Stone's film JFK. I think a lot yes. of people really started to understand what was at play here after watching that movie. It just happened to be a good film as well. The other one is probably All the President's Men with Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford, and that chronicled the discovery of the Watergate uh, cover-up and cons- and uh, scandal and conspiracy as well. Those are probably two of the most obvious and probably most impactful of the uh, scandals of the last 50 years anyway. And maybe I guess we have to go back 60 for the JFK assassination. All right, um, Doug, again, you know, you wrote the book um, and, and you decided somewhere along the way that it was important to get this message out and for people to understand what's been going on and what could be be going on um what's the message that you're trying to send to people here well um i belong to an organization called awareness communications which ever since like 1980 and according we believe that super wealthy guys get our joint secretive clubs and they want to manipulate politics from behind the scenes and make the rich richer and, and they don't care about the poor really so that's basically does that make sense yeah, it makes sense. And you're trying to make people aware of this? Yes, I think so. You know, it's it's interesting. And, I, you know, you can look at how conspiracies, are, you know, affect one thing or another. There's so much to it, like uh, the, the agenda to have Big Brother or the Kennedy assassination or um, Pearl Harbor or stolen elections. I think they steal elections. Or some people think they're so diabolical that they'll put bad things in vaccines to make us unhealthy so they can have less people to control. So, you know, there's a lot to it, you know. And we're going to talk about each of those things. But I want to know, I know the book fo- says there are, or talks about, I guess, five uh, conspiracies that have been proven to have yeah. been true. A lot of the other ones are still um, somewhat speculative and yeah. anecdotal, but there are several that are actually now considered fact. What are those? Well, one a lot of people talk is Kofa Tonkin, which is August 1964, when this, the ship was in uh, the Gulf of Tonkin, uh, North Vietnam, and the captain said the Vietnamese uh, shot torpedoes at him, but then within a few hours he was telling the White House and the Pentagon that he thinks he was wrong. But anyway, Lyndon Johnson went on TV that night and said, you know, we've been attacked, and that started the Vietnam War. But he, even a, a few days after that, Lyndon Johnson himself said, Hell, those damn stupid sailors were just shooting at flying fish, because uh, he knew it was it wasn't true, and and they lied to get us into the Vietnam War. That's one of them. All right, was that was that considered a false flag operation? Um, yeah, maybe. Or 
maybe, or maybe the, I think maybe the captain himself was told to lie. Johnson just wanted an excuse to go to war, you know. And since then, even the Navy and the NSA have, have admitted that, that it was all lies and all cover-ups, you know. And that got us into Vietnam. So that was clearly the agenda there. What's another one? The other one is Operations Northwoods, happened in 1962. The Joint Chiefs of Staff, they uh, presented this plan to Kennedy that they wanted to uh, fake attacks against America and blame it on Cuba, and then uh, so that would give them an excuse to go remove Castro. And, and it's called Operations Northwoods. Anybody can read, see that online. You can read the whole thing. Uh, they wanted to bomb ships, and uh, they wanted to uh, sink Cuban exile boats and attack anti-Castro Cubans. You know, they might have killed people. But uh, Kennedy rejected the idea. But, it, it, you know, this shows what powerful people can do, you know? It was proposed. Uh, Kennedy stopped it. But had he not, it would have taken place. Yes, yes. What's another one? Uh, another one's an interesting one, the FBI and the Mafia. In 1965, this guy, Joseph Barboza, he was uh, connected to Boston Organized Crime. He was an FBI informant. He was uh, in, uh, ratting on other FBI, uh, other Mafia members. But he, then he killed somebody, and the FBI knew he killed somebody because he told them, and they had tapes on him. But they didn't want him to go to prison. So another guy, Joseph Silvati, went to trial. And at the trial, Joseph Barboza testified that Silvati actually did the murder, and he had to spend 30 years in prison, and the FBI knew that he didn't do it. Even J. Edgar Hoover knew it. And he finally got released on some other details, but that was on 60 Minutes, CBS. And it's amazing that the FBI let this guy sit in a prison cell for 30 years knowing he, knowing he was innocent. You know, God knows what else the FBI does. Was J. Edgar, J. Edgar Hoover a bad guy? I think so, yes, I really do. His name, uh, he was Congressman there. Burton, who uh, investigated that case, he said we should take Hoover's name off the uh, FBI building. He was there for a long time. Yeah, I think he was connected to the uh, to the powerful groups that want to have fascism, and uh, I think he was uh, a fascist himself, I, you know, oh. just... I think that I think he did a lot of bad things, Hoover. He was certainly he was certainly power hungry. Do you think he was involved in the JFK assassination? I think he very well could have been. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, you know his, the things the FBI. You can look up books on that and the things uh, Hoover did in the FBI. I, I think he very well could have been. I, I'm trying to think of specific evidence for that, but I can't right yeah, now yeah. how the FBI might have been involved. Okay, so we we've talked about three. Uh, there should be a couple more. One is the Manhattan Project from uh, 1942 to 1946. This was the program to build nuclear bombs, um, and uh, every, uh, nobody knew about it. There was only about a dozen people knew. About 130,000 workers were building the bombs. They didn't even realize they were building nuclear bombs, and uh, the, the press didn't know about it. Uh, the Congress didn't know about it. It was totally kept. Probably a dozen people knew about it. That shows you, you know, how a government agency can keep a secret, you know. And then we found out about it in August 1945. President Harry Truman announced we dropped the bomb on Japan. But Truman himself didn't know about it until April 1945. He didn't even know about it. They didn't even tell him. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I'm i not sure how I feel about that one. Uh, obviously, uh, we were in the middle of World War II. It was very, very important, understanding the devastation that this particular weapon could cause, that it did not get in the hands of the wrong people, particularly the Nazis uh, or any of the uh, Axis powers that we were fighting, the Japanese, whatever it happened to be. Um, so you can almost forgive the secrecy, secrecy there, can't you? Yes, definitely. But I think it proves 
that 130,000 people can keep a secret. Yeah, you know? good point. That's the thing. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I know what you're saying. Maybe it was the right thing to do, but. Yeah, good point. Um, what, was the, what was the fifth one? That was the church committee back after Watergate. The church committee uh, investigated, like, the wrongdoings of the CIA and the FBI. And one thing they found out that the CIA had an assassination program. And, uh, you know, this was admitted to by Will, William Colby, the CIA director. And then after that, Gerald Ford made a specific executive order saying that uh, the U.S. government cannot uh, engage in assassinations. And then they had a committee formed to, uh, you know, provide more oversight of the CIA because the church committee found that the CIA was doing all sorts of things that, you know, that didn't get congressional approval, you know. But I, I don't think anything's changed. I think, you know, the CIA probably still assassinates people and they do, still do things that they're not supposed to. <laughs> is this the nature of the beast? Is this what governments do, regardless of whether they're democratic governments or they're fascist governments? Or I think so. Is, is it just the nature of the beast? I really think so. And I'm, I think I mentioned that somewhere in my book. It's like the uh, it's, uh, conspiracy theory shouldn't have a negative connotation because it's the very nature of militaries and intelligent agencies to act that way, you know? And uh, so, yeah, I think it's the nature of, of the beast. <laughs> You know, I've often said that when people get into the throes of very, very uh, heated political discussions that, uh, you know, one of the things that they continue to overlook is that the whole concept of limited government that the founders had uh, espoused was directly uh, an effort to avoid things like what we're talking about right now. The smaller the government, the less capable it is to do things like this. Yeah, really. I, I think that's true. I think we should have and even like. The creation of the CIA and NSA made the government too big and it made it too unaccountable right there. Maybe we should get, just get rid of the CIA and the NSA, you know. I think you're right. Much smaller government. Doug, when we talk about conspiracies and the source of many of these, does it always come from the top, the very top echelon of the government, or is there a deep state in action here? Oh, I think there's a deep state in action, really. Um, you know, as I said, I think there's like very rich men and they join these secretive clubs, and from behind the scenes, they have so much money and influence that I think the conspiracies are coming from there. But, you know, some probably start in government, but I think there's a deep state. So what you're saying then is most of these, the source is outside of government, but they use their money and influence to uh, influence government with these conspiracies. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. It's a pretty serious, I mean, you're not the first person I've heard say this or things like this. Obviously, it's something that's being talked about. Do you have any real evidence uh, or anything concrete that we can point to that supports this idea that there are these secret um, clubs, societies that these very powerful people belong to and they're pulling the strings from there? Oh, they definitely are. It's the Bilderberg Group. You can uh, look into that. The, the media doesn't report on that. There's uh, the Bohemian Grove. They don't report on that. These are the, the most influential men in the world go to these, uh, to these uh, groups, uh, to these meetings, and nothing is said about in the media. But if you want the proof, just, I think, look at the banking system, because the banking system is such that it's making everybody poor, but it's making the banks richer. And I think that's at the heart of the deep state is central banks that uh, lend money, uh, create money out of nothing, charge interest, and out of proportion with the... Uh, with uh, the expansion of goods and services, it's going to cause debt and inflation. So I think the big problem is getting rid of the Federal Reserve, and the, the banking system is proof, I think. 
You've covered a lot of ground there. I know that many of the founding fathers were against a central bank. Is this why? They were. They definitely were, you know, because, uh, this is, oh, you got to look at some of the things Thomas Jefferson said about that. And uh, yeah. because, you know, uh, is banks create money out of nothing, and then the, there's going to be big debt and, and there's going to be inflation. But if a government issues its own money uh, through taxes, then there won't be any debt if they issue it. In proper proportion, there won't be any inflation. I think that's a key. If you got a healthy economy, you can have a healthy society. So I interviewed uh, G. Edward Griffin about that. He wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island, and that's the most famous book. On that. And I interviewed uh, Jim Morris about that, too. I think we'll talk a lot about that in, in my book there. Talking about the economy and debt, um, you know, there are a lot of people sounding alarm bells about a coming economic, some, yeah. some say catastrophe. Uh, we narrowly averted what I would consider to be a catastrophe. We felt a lot of pain about 10 years ago, uh, yeah. but they say nothing was fixed and we're looking at uh, at the edge of a cliff again here. I've contended all along this is directly related to debt, not just national debt, which is out of control. The government is spending way more money than it, sh- than it brings in, um, but it's also personal debt. I think most Americans yeah. are are supporting their lifestyles from debt, from credit cards, from mortgages, from car loans, whatever it is. That's where their uh, prosperity is coming from, borrowing money. Um, if we hit this economic collapse, yeah. first of all, is it because of debt in your estimation? And secondly, what happens to these rich and powerful people if that happens? Well, I think the rich are going to stay rich. You know, the banking industry is going to stay rich. Uh, God forbid we hit this. I know a lot of people who believe in conspiracy theories believe it's inevitable. We're going to have a depression worse than 1930s. Um, you know, it's, it is the banking system, I think, and it's overspending. And what you say, individuals borrow too much. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe Trump will do something about it because Trump is always criticizing the Federal Reserve. And, uh, uh, you know, he's always tweeting against it. I think he has an understanding that the Fed is at the uh, heart of our problems. But maybe we should have got Ron Paul elected because he said end the Fed. Because I think that's what we have to do is uh, end the Federal Reserve. Many people, as we mentioned before, got their start and their kind of their baptismal on conspiracies through uh, watching and understanding what happened with the JFK assassination. Uh, what's your opinion on that one? Do you think that was the conspiracy that most people believe it was? Yeah, I really do. I, I actually did an interview in my book about that. I interviewed a guy who was one of Lyndon Johnson's lawyers. Uh, his name is Barr McClellan, and he says it was Lyndon Johnson was the mastermind. I think Johnson has something to do with it, but I think it was more the military-industrial complex, CIA. I think the lesson is if you go against the political establishment, go against the military-industrial complex, the will of the CIA, I think you'll get assassinated. That's what happened with Kennedy. But the interview I did, uh, Barr McClellan claims it was Lyndon Johnson, and some people do believe that. But I think it was more than that. But I think I did an uh, interesting interview with him there. I think Johnson knew about it, and I think he participated. I don't know if he was a mastermind. So that's pretty uh, groundbreaking. If if Lyndon Johnson's, it's one of his attorneys that the yes, interview? yes, and he said that Lyndon Johnson. This these were his words that Lyndon Johnson was the mastermind or was behind this the assassination of JFK. Yes, yes, and also you know Roger Stone, um, uh, Donald Trump's associate there, mm-hmm. wrote a book saying that. Um, recently, it's been revealed that Jacqueline Kennedy. That's what she believed. Johnson was a very crooked guy, I think, and. He came from a rough area in Texas where it was common that you uh, use the gun to uh, eliminate your political enemy. Down in Texas is a mean place, you know. 
So he was a lot meaner and more corrupt than people understand. But I don't think he was a mastermind. I think he was a part of it. Do you think he was just, he um, didn't stand in the way of those that were doing it, or do you think he ordered it? Uh, I think that he, uh, uh, that's what McClellan believes, that's what some people believe. No, I think he didn't stand in the way. I think it was more of the military-industrial complex and CIA, Alan Dulles, you know, Kennedy fired Alan Dulles. He's the head of the CIA. I mean, that's like firing Carlo Gambino, you know, you can't, that guy's an assassin. And like a couple of months before the assassination, um, Alan Dulles was meeting with Lyndon Johnson on his ranch there. And Johnson usually kept a diary, but on those few days he was meeting with Alan Dulles. Uh, he didn't write anything in his diary. So I think he got out of the way of the military-industrial complex, but I think he was a part of it. Do you think that was the biggest conspiracy of the 20th century? Um. I think so, but I think there are others, you know. I, I don't know if that's the biggest, you know. There are definitely others. Um, just the fact that people are trying to get us to a big brother government might be the biggest conspiracy. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about all of these. Before we go to our next break here, your website is um, the name of the book, basically, American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups.com. What can people find if they go there? That's it. There'll be some excerpts from my book there. And there'll be some sensational facts about conspiracy theories. And there'll be a good picture of everybody I interviewed. I interviewed 12 very well-known conspiracy theory authors. I got a good picture of each one of them. At what point, we've got about 30 seconds here, at what point did the phrase conspiracy theory become a dirty word? You know, when it did, after the Kennedy assassination, the CIA specifically had a program to influence their media outlets to tell people that conspiracy theory is... Um, is a negative connotation because they didn't want people to disagree with the Warren Commission. There's been a book written about that by a guy by named DeHaven Smith, uh, Conspiracy in America. The CIA specifically had a program to make the term conspiracy theory pejorative and a negative connotation. Well, let's jump to our listener line. We've had uh, Joan waiting on hold for quite some time. Joan is in Carbondale, Pennsylvania. Hi, Joan. Welcome to the program. Are you there? I would, I would like to ask... Um, do you think that the um, deep state and the cabal and all the people that belong to these clubs, like the Bilderbergs, like Clinton, you know, Obama, um, are they against, they part of the cabal and the deep state, like Brennan, the CIA, against our President Trump with all this manufactured evidence of Russian hoax? And, yes, and, I think Obama and Clinton are uh, manipulated by the deep state. Yes, really, and uh, I think uh, I think hopefully Trump is a part of that. I think maybe he broke through the system, and maybe he's trying to do what he can to make the government work for the people instead of the super rich. And do you feel that um, this will be a really big in years to come? Like they're writing books right now about it, like Ball of Collusion and the Russian oh, about yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was made up. I don't think Trump colluded with Russia. I think that was made up but by people in the deep state who want to get rid of Trump. Is it because he doesn't belong to their clubs and their way of yes, life? Yes, I think so. I think you're right, ma'am. I think you're right. Is there any My way opinion. that we can, like, um, dissuade or do anything to not let these Democrats or whoever they are come into power? Well, you know, um, if Trump is truly a, a, um, 
against that, which I think he might be. Uh, hopefully we can get more guys in there who aren't professional politicians, who aren't, they don't belong to the trilateral commission, they don't go to the Bilderberg. Hopefully, I think Trump is that, and hopefully we can elect more people like him. Yeah, um, we're going to try to try to keep uh, some of the partisan politics out of the discussion. But thank you, Joan, for the for the insight, the questions, and the uh, observations. Very, very interesting. Um, I had asked you uh, before the break when you weren't on the phone anymore. Uh, the, the book basically, you you took the opportunity to interview a bunch of people that had done some work and written about uh, various conspiracy theories, approaches, and ideas, um, and then you put them together. Yeah. Is is that kind of the foundation of the book? Yes, yes. They're interviews, you know, and I think, you know, I have a few introductory paragraphs and then the verbatim interview I did. I think interviews are fun to read and I read fast. So I think that's what makes the book fun, I think. Who are some of the people, I know you've mentioned a few names already, but who are some of the people that you interviewed for the book and what did they bring to the table in the discussion? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I really lucked out. I really got, like, some of the most famous conspiracy theory authors in the world and leading experts I got Jim Mars on the New World Order. He's like most famous conspiracy theory author in the world. I think he passed away in August 2017. I got G. Edward Griffin on the Federal Reserve. I, I got um, Noam Chomsky, Professor Noam Chomsky, on the corporate media. Chomsky isn't really a conspiracy theorist, but some people think the media is a conspiracy. I, as I mentioned, I got one of Lyndon Johnson's lawyers on the Kennedy assassination. I got Dr. William Pepper, who was a close friend of Martin Luther King, on the King assassination, I got the leading authority on the idea that 9-11 was an inside job, David Ray Griffin on 9-11. I got Bev Howards, the author of Black Box Voting. She's like the leading authority on voter fraud. And so uh, I got Joe Bannister, an ex-IRS agent, about the uh, uh, feeling that the income tax should be abolished and is unconstitutional. So that, that's some, I got 12 altogether, and uh, I think they're maybe the leading experts on each one of these uh, each one of these theories, and I really lucked out in that way. I got such good interviewees, you know? Yeah, well, obviously that helps a lot, and you've mentioned some very, very powerful names and uh, what I would consider to be uh, some real ground movers when yeah. it comes to yeah. these ideas. And that's one of the things yeah. that's really important here, and that's one of the things that bothers me about this attitude toward, dis- attitude toward discussing conspir- quote-unquote conspiracy theories, because if yeah. you can't talk about this stuff, how can you ever get to the truth? You know, maybe yeah. maybe nine out of ten, ten of them have no truth. Maybe they're just speculation and, and people just making things up, and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But even if it's only yeah. one out of ten that actually is true, we need to be able to talk about this stuff. Yeah, really. And they really don't in the mainstream media. You know? They block, block that stuff out. You know, it's like the, the two, I think the two big no-nos now in the mainstream media is the idea that 9-11 might be an inside job and the idea that some vaccines might be dangerous. Uh, if you say that in the media, they really come down on you hard. And I really, I think you're right. They, they don't like a democratic discussion or investigation of these things. Yeah, well, like I said, the, um, you know, there are a lot of ideas being circulated on all these topics. And, uh, you know, maybe 99 out of 100 aren't really uh, found in in the basis of truth. But even if one out of 100 is, we need to be able to talk about it. I want to bring you to the something you just said, though, vaccinations, because we had uh, a gentleman by the name of Del Bigtree on the program a few weeks ago, and he was talking about vaccinations. And he really had some very interesting things to say. And he is not, you know, necessarily saying that, 
um, there's a conspiracy regarding vaccinations. He's just saying that we need to ask more questions. And even he is being shut down. What are your thoughts on the vaccination well, discussion? Well, you know, maybe the pharmaceutical companies have so much influence over the media. They're, the media is uh, dependent on their advertising dollars that they can shut it up. But I think we should be able to discuss it. I think some vaccines are good for you, and you should give them. But I think that there are some that are dangerous, and ones that have aluminum or mercury or that one uh, vaccine. What's it? M3 is supposed to wipe out measles, mumps, and rubella at the same time. So many women have said that that injured their child. So maybe it's the pharmaceutical companies have so much power that they're shutting up the discussion on that, you know? Well, I can't argue, and unfortunately I wasn't here when Dell was on the program and our fill-in host, uh, Bruce Markison, did the interview. It was a great interview, by the way, and if you haven't heard it, you should go back in the back episodes and oh, listen yeah. to it. Yeah. But, um, you know, the point, I did listen to it, and the points that he brought up were that the vaccination approval process isn't as stringent as, you know, the approval process for medications. And, it, and in some cases it should be. And the other yeah. part of his argument was that, yeah, you know, maybe you, maybe um, it's inappropriate to argue against the effectiveness of some of these vaccinations. But regardless, the government or anyone should not have the authority and ability to tell you you must inject yeah. inject a foreign yeah. substance into your body. That's where the where he's drawing the line in the sand. What do you think of that? Yeah, it's it's got to be our choice. You know, it's got to be your choice. You know, if you get in, if you think you've been injured by a vaccine, you have to go to the vaccination court. You can't sue the pharmaceutical companies. And the vaccination court has, has ruled like 3,500 times that somebody was injured by a vaccine. One thing I, you know, in my book, I do an interview with a guy who claims that the AIDS epidemic came from bad vaccines, that there was bad vaccines given out, and that's where AIDS came from, which could be true. If you want to check out my book, you can read about it. But I think some vaccines have been proven that they can be dangerous, but then are, there are some good vaccines, but it should be our choice, like you, like you said. There's another topic that evokes a lot of emotion in people, um, and there are the trenches dug very deep on both sides of the argument, and that is climate change. Yeah. And at the at the risk of uh, of creating a firestorm here, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> what's your thoughts on climate change, and is there a conspiracy involved? I think there might be. You know, there's a program. Uh, to have us all join Agenda 21, the United Nations, they have this idea that we're all going to have to move into uh, Agenda 21 cities and, and and lose our freedoms because otherwise climate change is is, is going to kill us all, which I think it might be something made up to get us to uh, uh, try to accept Agenda 21. Um, I think that is an exaggeration. I asked Jim Mars about that, and he said, uh, no, he doesn't think we have to worry about it for another 100,000 years. What do you guys at Beyond Reality think? <laughs> Yeah, well, we we try not to offer our own opinion here because oh. we try to be impartial in the discussion. But I do have a lot of questions about it. I'll give you that much. Um, let's go to our phone lines. This is a good friend of the program, Fred in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hey, Fred, the hurricane not hurting you there, is it? No, we're right on. I'm right in the middle of the state, so we just we we got right at the very edge of the clouds. But of course, it's it's you know down in your friend's area yeah. right here at Wilmington. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're safe. What's on your mind? Okay, I wanted to ask Douglas, uh, very interesting, a lot of the people he's interviewed. I, f- I want to ask you this, Douglas, and it, it's a question about uh, Kennedy's assassination and, and Junior. And 
You, you mentioned he had fired uh, Dulles as head of the CIA. Have you, are you familiar with Mark Lane's book, The First Guy After the Assassination, that did a lot of legwork with Officer Tippett going in the movie theater and all that stuff? And uh, Yes, yes. He was uh, like the first guy to question the Warren Commission, I think, Mark Lane, yeah. Yeah, it's a great book. He went into great detail on everything. He even interviewed a yard man that was up in a tower on the train tower above that grassy knoll. Remember, they were getting ready yeah. to go into that bridge. Yeah. And at 5.30 in the morning, that yard man saw a car slowly coming along the edge of the of the train yard up there, yeah. up at the grassy knoll. Now, what I want to ask you is this. They had a program about uh, John Jr.'s uh, death and which uh, yeah. and, and how accomplished he was as a pilot, which I didn't know. And, and yes. that he wrote, he put his magazine named it George. Now I've heard yes. that what George Bush was head of the CIA back then, and he his whereabouts cannot be accounted for, and he's from Texas, oh. for that whole day. Uh, and that he yes. named the, his magazine George to let George and Bush know that he had something to do with his dad's assassination. Oh, I don't know and, about that, but I know that George Bush. There's a book written by a guy named Russ Baker who's like the head of the journalism school at Columbia University, and he really questions what George Bush was up to at the time of the Kennedy assassination. He wasn't the head of the CIA then, but he was a member, and his actions are suspicious. He might have been a, a part of that, you know. But right. uh, I don't know that JFK Jr., if he named that for that reason. I thought maybe he named it after George Washington. but Well, maybe, I, think I don't know. I'd like to know. He may have said that, but apparently it was because he was trying to end. But here's another thing. There's also uh, two documents that are almost identical, just a few words talking about, and do this wet, which the CIA or something, that means with blood, and it oh. was orders to have both. It was the same type order for Kennedy and then for his son, too. Uh, yeah. And so I, know, I, I yeah. don't know if you had seen any correlation. Oh, well, that. I've seen That's some evidence that maybe uh, JFK Jr. might have been actually assassinated. I think maybe because... He was going to write articles in George Magazine quite, trying to find out who really killed his father. And the other thing, he, he was going to run for senator run and had a good chance that maybe the deep state doesn't like independent-minded Kennedys in power. So I think there's evidence that maybe he was killed, yeah. But that, that guy, Mark Laney, came out with a book with all the evidence about how the CIA uh, probably killed Kennedy. But now Mark Lane passed away, but that book came out a few years ago. That's probably worth looking into. And Fred, you were saying you were saying that another point was that uh, JFK Jr. had announced or had talked to family about running for the Senate. He absolutely had told yes. Yeah. I, I think that was the other guy that uh, that you had that did his, the uh, show with his uh, his uh, uh, being shot down. That That's right. He had seen him, you know, which I, I I just assumed he did. He was an inadequate pilot, and he got a bigger plane than he should have. And and the guy was pointing out that's what they wanted you to think. But he went into what? A, remember, he went into what a phenomenal detailed pilot he was. And yes. The guy, yeah. And, and they even suggested that someone had said, "Do you want me to go with you?" And that was to imply that. But that that some accomplished pilot said, "Let me tell you, he dotted the I's and crossed the T's. He was a phenomenal pilot. He had made that trip fifteen times." Yeah. Yeah. A lot of questions. A lot of questions remain there. Our guest tonight, Douglas Serignano, we're talking about conspiracies in American politics. His book is called American Conspiracies and Cover-Ups. That's also the name of the website. Cover-Ups has a dash in it and and is spelled out. Uh, Again, thanks, Doug, for being here. Let's jump right back to our phone lines. This is um, Carol. Is this Carol? 
Yeah, I go by Kaffir Carol when I talk on the radio. It gotcha. means infidel oh, okay. in the Islamic language. Hey, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I wanted to bring up the name of the John Birch Society. Uh, I think the conspiracy theory kind of was, uh, uh, the, the words were aimed at them because the founder, uh, who was a genius, he graduated uh, college at uh, 16, um, uh, uh, the John Birch Society was on to the agenda of the elites and of a uh, well-documented um, conspiracy uh, fact. And uh, they were uh, demonized yes. in the early 60s because they were on to the agenda. Uh, but anyway, yes. and another point um, is uh, about Joseph McCarthy, uh, who was uh, vilified as uh, being the, 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 the Red Scare and uh, demonizing people and, 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 and claiming a communist infiltration inside the government, especially the State Department and the Deep State, which became the Deep State. And that he has since been vindicated after the records were unsealed. Yes, I think, you know, I think the communist conspiracy is the same thing as the deep state conspiracy. And, uh, you know, it's uh, even though communism is supposed to wipe out the wealthy, it's the wealthy control the communist conspiracy. And it's the same thing to control politics from behind the scenes and get the big brother. And and what do you have to say about the John Burr Society? Are you familiar with them and their aim to... So, what do you have to say about them? I mean, they've been on this since the late 50s. Yes, and their main thing was uh, to be against conspiracy, but they also believe that the United Nations is trying to be the world government, which it is. So I think, you know, the John Birch Society had a lot of good things to say. I think people on the left think the John Birch Society is uh, too too much to the right, but I, I think they're right about a lot of things. Are they that influential today? I'm, I'm not sure. But one thing I know they believe is that the United Nations uh, wants to be the world government, and that is the threat to our freedoms. Yes, I believe you. Is, was was that your only question, Carol? Kaffir, Carol? Are you still there? Yes. Okay. Did you have another follow-up question? Uh, I, I Well, I... Also, I'm wondering about this Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein, because I, I'm hearing all the links he has. It's much deeper than the press, of course, will talk about. And there are links with uh, especially the Maxwell sisters, like uh, Giselaine Maxwell and her sisters. Uh, oh. Uh, oh, yeah, I think he is connected to very powerful people. Unfortunately, I think there's evidence that like powerful people uh, do abuse underage people. And uh, I think it's a horrible thing, and I think he he has connections to very high uh, high uh, people of power. I think you're right. I, th- I think he was probably murdered. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a whole another conspiracy that we can talk about for sure. Uh, Kaffir Carroll, thank you so much for calling in from Florida. We appreciate uh, your comments and your insight there. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time left, and I want to get to uh, some more generalized questions with you, Doug. What um, you know, we've talked about a bunch of different conspiracies yeah. and ideas we i'm sure we're missing some what are some other ones that are on your radar um uh, maybe 911 you know i i think i did an interview there i think it's probably an inside job now you know if it was then what what can we learn from that i think maybe uh that if it was an inside job then maybe um islamophobia is is exaggerated 
or maybe we should rescind the Patriot Act because so many of our our rights in the Constitution have been uh, been abridged because of 9/11. So I, I think it's important to know that I, I think there's a lot of evidence that it was an inside job. Um, we had a, a guest on a few months ago that refuted those ideas. I think it's a very interesting debate. Let's talk about Pearl Harbor. You brought that one up not long ago. Uh, was Pearl Harbor um, known, was that attack known to the FDR administration prior to it happening, in your opinion? Yes, uh, yes, I believe it was. I, I did an interview about that with a guy named Robert Stinnett, who was in the Navy in World War II. There's a lot of evidence to think that, uh, that uh, Roosevelt, let it happen to give us an excuse to go into World War II. For instance, there was a spy in um, there was a spy in in Hawaii spying on the ships, a Japanese guy sending messages back to Japan, and the, the Navy was intercepting them and forwarding them to Roosevelt. On December second, the spy said, "No changes observed by afternoon of December second. So far, they do not seem to have been alerted." This was a, a read by Roosevelt. And on December fifth, he said. There are no barrage balloons up, and there is an opportunity left for a surprise attack against these places. How could Roosevelt not have known the Japs were going to bomb Pearl Harbor? <laughs> yeah. Um, another one that comes to mind, and I know that you've written about it, is the, a cure for cancer. Is there an intentional uh, conspiracy underway that is preventing the widespread use of a cure for cancer? I think there might be, because there there are so many instances where some doctor had some treatment that was working on cancer patients, maybe not curing, curing some, but at least helping them, and the FDA comes in and, and shuts them down. It was, it was it's just so much evidence to think that, you know. One guy who uh, believed that megadoses of vitamin C could help cancer patients was a guy named Dr. Linus Pauling. He won the Nobel Prize for chemistry. He also won the Nobel Prize for, uh, for uh, Peace Prize. He was politically active. And he believed megadoses of vitamin C could help uh, cancer patients, but he got no cooperation, and he was got so frustrated by the medical establishment, and eventually he said, everyone should know that the war on cancer is largely a fraud. This is what the guy who won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry said. Uh, we had a guest on a few weeks ago. Um, I'm trying to remember. Captain Russell uh, was his name, and he's written a book about uh alternative medicine and alternative cures. And one of the things he talks about is, um, is high doses of vitamin C. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can, it's been proven that it can help cancer patients. Maybe, maybe even cure you of cancer sometimes. Let's go back to our phone lines. This is Jim in Buffalo, New York. Hey Jim, welcome to the program. Hey, it's a great show guys. Thank um, you very much. Yeah. You were speaking about Pearl Harbor. Yes. There was a gentleman, uh, he was on coast to coast a while back his name was Doug, Douglas Dietrich. Are you familiar with him at all? I'm not. Are you, Doug? I, I am not. No, I no, not. no. Douglas Dietrich worked at the Presidio. He was a former Marine, and he worked there burning documents. Ooh. And evidently, Pearl Harbor was payback for uh, an operation that FDR signed off on to attack Japan ahead of time using the Flying Tigers. Uh, they had a bomber wing, and the B-17s that were at Pearl Harbor were slated to be shipped to Claire Chenault and the Flying Tigers. And the B-17 had enough range to reach Tokyo or wherever, you know, and also Taiwan. And so oh. the Japanese were a lot more interested in getting the B-17s. All the ships at Pearl Harbor had charges placed in 
the hulls, and uh, oh. so they could be scuttled. They were all chained together. There was even a fake uh, aircraft carrier made out of uh, plywood that was put there. And uh, all those guys that died at Pearl Harbor were swabbies. They were all brand-new raw recruits. They threw them a party the night before so they'd be hung over the next day. Huh. And uh, Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah, well, Dietrich, you know, he found you documents that he, that he actually Dude. took notes. Jim, and, you're, uh, Jim that, these are all things that that guest, Douglas, Douglas Dietrich, on Coast to Coast had contended? Yes, sir. Yeah, Interesting. absolutely. Plus other things, too. But but there was a bomber wake. They 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 were uh, they were planning on attacking uh, Japan ahead of time, and we had already cracked the Japanese code, the Navy, in uh, early of uh, forty one, uh, January of forty one. We cracked the Japanese code, and uh, I, I I'm just remembering off the top of my head. I actually recorded the show and I listened to it many times. And basically, yeah, yeah we were we were we were we knew not only and they didn't call him Bull Halsey. For nothing, because Bull Halsey sat with all his lights off and waited, uh, waited, and they didn't. The third attack never came. The third wave never came, and there was an actual air battle that was fought, and the planes couldn't return to the uh, the carrier because he had shut all the lights off, and he wouldn't wow. let them land. So they flew all the way back to Pearl, where they were all shot down because they were told to shoot anything that was flying over the islands. One guy made it by turning on his landing lights, and he blinded the gunner. But a lot of guys died. All the, all the guys that went down in the ships, um, the, the scuba divers were told, uh, frogmen they were called back then, told not to help them under pain of death, because they knew oh. that there was, there was charges Man. placed in all those ships. Okay, and as far as 9-11 goes... I, I got to tell you the truth. What kind of plane crash has no debris? Okay, I saw the pictures and I saw the films and I saw it live on TV. Yeah. And the Pentagon, honestly, there's no plane. There's no plane. The grass is green. There's no plane crash. There's no bodies. Oh. There's no engines. There's no wings. You're talking there's about no the plane and they show Pennsylvania the plane or the plane the Pentagon? There's a burning, smoldering hole with two guys oh. with hazmat suits hosing the hole down. That's not a plane crash. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, it's. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of, of conspiracies. A lot of great, <laughs> a lot of questions for sure. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. We'll have to look into that guest. That sounds like a really, really fascinating discussion. But this is the this is the crux of it, isn't it, Doug? Um, you know, whenever we have something, particularly something that's that's uh, spectacular, and I don't mean that in yeah. a good way, but something that is just unbelievable. When it's something is unbelievable, it leads to questions yeah. that make you not believe it, and that's kind of what we've seen here with a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, there's some uh, sensational facts to uh, this stuff, and uh, it it becomes makes the uh, mainstream story unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of mainstream, let's talk about the media for a minute. Why is the media so silent on so many of these things? I can understand why some of these topics they wouldn't want to touch. Um, because yeah. they're awfully controversial, unless there's real hard evidence other than speculation, it's hard to discuss them. But there are some that have some very, very serious questions with some supporting information. Why don't they touch them? Why don't they investigate them in many cases? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it might be because um, maybe the Council on Foreign Relations is... Uh, so many uh, media outlets is controlled by people working for the Council on Foreign Relations, which is one of the secretive think tanks. And I think that might be one of the reasons maybe it's exercising its influence. Another might be the CIA has a lot of influence over the media 
because, you know, that the church committee, they found that back in the early 70s, mid-70s, they found that the CIA had so much influence over the media. So maybe the CFR or the CIA is... Uh, Stopping any investigation. Okay, but let me let me let me point something out. And again, at the risk of opening up a political can of worms here, and that's not my intention. My intention is to show some type of um, disparity between what is covered and what isn't. But the media was all over this Russian collusion idea, um, oh, all over yeah. it. Yet they won't touch you know some of these other ideas that we've been talking about tonight. Yeah, yeah, I think because. The, the media and the deep state, uh, CFR and CIA, wanted to get rid of Trump. They, they He's against the political establishment. I don't think the deep state is uh, partisan. Sometimes they like the Democrats, sometimes they like the Republican, I, I think. So they were all over the Russian collusion because the people behind things are manipulating things. They wanted to get rid of Trump, I think. So the deep state will, will, will tolerate anybody who will support their agenda? Yes, yes. Um, whether it's Democrat or Republican, I really think so, yeah. We've got just a couple minutes left with you, Doug. What are, uh, give us one or two what we would consider to be contemporary conspiracies that we need to keep our eyes open for. Um, well, like you say, I think, in my opinion, global warming is probably an exaggeration. I think that's important to know because uh, they want maybe more taxes and maybe get us to accept the Agenda 21. Uh what else is important? I'm trying to think. Um, I think that vaccine, talk, you know, I think some are good, but some are bad. you got to be careful. Let me bring something up right now. Um, we have a presidential election coming up next year. Is there going to be uh, any of this nefarious activity going on, regardless of which side it comes from, in the 2020 presidential election? I think there probably is. You know, probably will be. There. I think there always is. I actually interviewed Bev Harris, who's the uh, author of Black Box Voting. She's probably the foremost expert on uh, stolen elections, but she says the Democrats and the Republicans are both dirty, you know? So they're both probably, listen, they'll both probably be trying stuff. Yeah, listen, I, I, that's, I'm a firm believer that all politics is dirty, and that's why the less of it we have, the better we are, and I think <laughs> a lot of people lose sight of that. I think that's why I go back to this preaching this small government idea, because I don't care what the cause is, there's going to be corruption, and there's going to be dirty yeah. politics involved, and that's the nature of politics, and that's why we should keep it out of our lives as much as possible. Doug, thank you so much for being here tonight. Fascinating conversation. Good luck with the book. Thank you very much. Have a good night. You know, I know these topics evoke a lot of emotions in a lot of people. Um, It's just a discussion, and it's a good idea to exchange ideas. That's what it's all about here. And we do talk about controversial things in a lot of cases, and that's certainly, there was no shortage of that. Again, thanks to our guest, Douglas Sirignano. Uh, We appreciate him being here and uh, actually being brave enough to talk about some of these ideas, because they they can put a mark on your back. I mean, we've seen, right... Ryan, we've seen some emails come in when we've had some of these conversations. Sure, uh, and we certainly didn't pull any punches tonight. Um, and <laughs> it's hard to uh, it's hard not to connect the dots and see these technical issues that happen when we air content wow. like this. Wow! Every time it's like clockwork, and people in chat were already calling it before it even happened. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty interesting how that happens. It is. I don't know. I don't know. There might be something to that. Uh, tomorrow night's going to be a best of program, as every Friday is. Monday night we've got. Tuesday, May Thomas, author, speaker, mystic teacher. She'll be talking about uh, the grid matrix and collective consciousness. And then on Tuesday night, L.A. Marzulli, who is an author and a filmmaker, a very well-known paranormal researcher. He'll be talking about the ancient mounds in America. Who built them? He thinks maybe the Nephilim did. We've talked about the, the Nephilim keep coming up 
in various conversations that we're having on the program. Yeah, hard to ignore um, some of the evidence out there. And then on Wednesday night of next week, C.J. Zahner, author and skeptic medium, will be here to talk about premonitions and paranormal experiences that inspired her books. So a lot of great stuff coming up on the program. Of course, visit the social media, Beyond Reality Radio, and also J.V. Johnson, and swing by YouTube and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just look for J.V. Johnson there as well. It's Beyond Reality Radio. We will catch you next week. Have a great weekend. Beyond Reality Radio is hosted by Jason Hawes and J.V. Johnson and produced by Alexandria Johnson and Slick Eddie Edwards for Intercom Radio. Beyond Reality Radio is distributed by Westwood One Radio Networks. Stop by our Facebook page and say hello. Follow the hosts on Facebook as well. For Jason Hawes, follow at JasonHawes.taps. For J.V. Johnson, follow at JVJParanormal. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Radio or you have a suggestion for a guest, contact Slick Eddie Edwards at SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. Be sure to visit our chat room as well at beyondrealityradio.com. Thanks for listening.